I love that because we can all relate to that. Like sometimes a lot of us, we hate to pray out loud because we end up sounding like like him. But I'm excited that that we are here starting a brand new series here, and we're doing something unique for this series that on a chair next to you or you should have been given a handout uh, with you uh, that we're using for uh, this series here that we're calling Just Pray About. So to, to get the most out of this series, we're doing a handout for, for each of the five Sundays that we're doing this series. And you can use this handout um, to, to kind of guide you through all five of our talks, and you can use it in your life group, uh, which today is the deadline to sign up for a life group, and that begins all this week at various locations. I hate to start on this point. I hate to start on this point. But on Friday, there was a tragic event that occurred in New Zealand where somebody full of anger, a racist person, Islamophobic person, walked into a mosque and killed 50 people. Killed 50 people in a mosque. And it's something that, unfortunately, we have become numb to. And unfortunately, something that we have gotten used to hearing about mass shootings. But every time I turn on the news just to get the headlines of, as far as what happened, we all hear the same thing. But now we've become completely numb to it. What do we hear? You know, our thoughts and prayers are with them. Our thoughts and our prayers are with them. And for a lot of people, we are sick and tired of hearing that phrase. Our thoughts and prayers are with them. And actually, it's, it's, I, I, it's an annoying phrase because it's been so watered down that we don't even know what it means anymore to say that our thoughts and prayers are with them. Or when somebody has an issue uh, and, and, and we just say, well, you know what, just pray about it. Just pray about it. This is a true story. No, but no priest from around here, nobody at all. Somebody came and, and, and told the priest, you know, I, you know, I'm struggling about you know, knowing the existence of God. And the priest said, you know, just pray about it, you know. I, I'm telling you, I don't, I don't even know if there is a God. You told me to pray about it. It's our go-to thing to just say. Just pray about it. Our thoughts and prayers are with them. And, it's, and we become numb to that saying. And the reality is, like, I, like, just to show you how silly the phrase is, how we become numb to it. This phrase actually doesn't make sense to a lot of people, just like the following two phrases. Phrase that maybe a lot of us don't understand is, take care. All right, good seeing you. All right, take care. Maybe we become numb to just hearing it. We just say it. It's just the thing you say. Another thing, when I'm on the phone talking to insurance or whatever, and they say, somebody will, be, somebody will be with you momentarily. I hate that phrase. What does the word momentarily mean? Like, give me, give me, is that 30 seconds? Is that two hours? What is that? But these are kind of phrases that we say, but really, maybe we don't really understand what it means. That's why I wanted to call this title, Just Pray About. Because maybe that's our view of just prayer. It's just something you just say. It's just something you do. Yeah, just pray about it. And maybe we don't know what to say or what to do, and we end up sounding like that guy. At the dinner table, we have no idea what to say. But before we begin to begin to talk about prayer, before we sit there and say anything about prayer, let's first talk about why is it even such a thing? Why do people say, my thoughts and prayers are with you? You know, just pray about it. Why do we even say that in the first place? Why is prayer even a thing in our world? The oldest Jewish manuscript, the oldest Jewish manuscript that we have of humanity, is recorded in a book that many of us know of called the book of Genesis. And in this Jewish manuscript, we have the first record of man. We have the first record of humanity having union with their creator. That there was this intimate bond 
that existed between the male and the female and the divine creator, all three of them being together. And out of the divine creator's love, he said, you have the freedom to do as you wish. If I'm holding your hand and forcing you to do this and, and to go to church and to do this, then I'm, it's not really love. That's slavery. But you're a big boy and a big girl. You have the option to do as you wish. They decided to abuse their freedom and decided to go, to go against what their divine creator asked them to do. And from that moment, there was a barrier put in between humanity and divinity. There was a barrier put between mankind and our heavenly father. But from that moment, God says, I need to remove this barrier. Like, man is not designed to be selfish and to be isolated and to kind of be in their own little world. They're designed to be with me. I'm the designer. I know how they're designed to act and behave and think and be in relationships. I'm the divine designer of it all. They're not designed to kind of be isolated and be on their own. So from that moment, out of his love for us, he says, I can't, I can't force anybody. But you know what? I will do my part and try to, to have union with them again. So to do that, the divine creator put on skin. The divine creator put on skin. And he goes by the name of Jesus. God said, in order for, for man to know the fullness of how they're intended to live, I'll put on skin, I'll come down with them, I'll hang out with them, I'll make it super crystal clear to them how they are designed to live, how they're supposed to be in relationship, how they're supposed to deal with struggle, how they're intended to live out the struggles of this world. And Jesus gave us a path to lead us to the fullness of life. He says, okay, I am the fullness, I am the way, and I'm here, I'm guiding, I'm making it crystal clear the path that you are intended to take in order for you to return back to how you're intended to live. That Jesus gave us baptism. He gave us regeneration in order to renew us back to how we are designed to live. And Jesus made that mission clear throughout his life. And that brings us to the year 33 AD. And then from that moment, the early Christians and apostles, including our patron saint, Mark the Apostle, went to Egypt. And different apostles went to different areas to tell people about the fullness of life. Now fast forward 300 years. Fast forward 300 years. And throughout 300 years, Christians, these early Christian followers, are going crazy of saying how their life has been rocked by following Jesus, and they are growing the church exponentially. And the church was a living, dynamic organism, and everyone kept on telling each other about how Jesus made it crystal clear of how we are intended to live. There was one man, a philosopher, his name is Gregory. Because of his pursuit of the fullness of life, because of this philosopher's pursuit of the fullness of life, a pursuit of Jesus, and because of many of his writings, he was given the name Gregory the Theologian. He was given Gregory the Theologian. And this man, the saint, actually his brother, many of us have heard his writings before. He has a brother named St. Basil, who is the author of Our Ancient Prayers of our divine liturgy that we pray on a regular basis. He is the author of that. So that's Basil, his brother, St. Basil. St. Gregory was one who wanted to continually to pursue the divine. A philosopher who knew that, okay, he's extremely smart. He's a professional philosopher. But he wanted to pursue the divine. And in his pursuit of God, and in his pursuit of the fullness of life, he grasped what prayer is about in his pursuit of God, 
of the, of the divine. He had a full grasp of understanding the purpose and the clarity of what prayer is about. I want you to put on your philosopher thinking cap with me. And I want to share a couple of sentences from his writing. You guys are smart people, so you'll get this. But let's look now at this ancient manuscript around the year 350 of St. Gregory writing this. When we violated the commandments of him, he's talking about humanity, when we violated the commandments of him, who in baptism regenerates us? We separated ourselves from God. Let's pause. When we violated the commandments, because we're selfish, we know what we're doing, I got this, I know what I'm doing. When we violated our, uh, the commandments of him, who in baptism regenerates? When the, the commandments were given to restore us, to renew us, because out of his love he gave it, not to make us miserable. When, when we violated the commandments of him, who in baptism regenerates us? We, because of our selfishness, because I got this, I know what I'm doing, we separated ourselves from the divine and lost our conscious awareness of him and our union with him. Because of man thinking, we, I know what I'm doing, yeah, yeah, I'm sure I can eat of that tree just like any other tree. Because of our pride, because of our selfishness, we lost our conscious awareness. So if St. Gregory is saying that, that we lost our conscious awareness, that means before we decided to say, uh, when we were one with God, we had full clarity on knowing who the divine is. We had full clarity on the God, on God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. We were in this full, intimate union with Him. But through our selfishness, through our pride, through our ego, we lost our conscious awareness of Him and our intimate union with Him. Continues. Sundered from that union. Sundered is such a great word. Sundered from that union. And estranged from God. The intellect is led captive everywhere. The intellect is led captive everywhere. Come on. We can all relate to that. How many of us are sitting in bed and thinking of 10,000 things? We can't think straight just of the amount of things that's on our, our mind and burning us and anxiety and just the stress of, of just everything going on in our busy world. Because of our sunder, because of our estrangement from God and that disconnect that occurred, we lost our conscious awareness, we lost clarity of knowing who God is. And the intellect is led captive everywhere. We're in captive to our worries, to our stress, to our future, to our kids. We've become captive to the stress and the brokenness of this world. The intellect is led captive everywhere. And it cannot regain its stability unless it submits to God and is stilled by him. I love the word that, that St. Gregory uses, stilled by him. Press the pause and be stilled by him. It makes us uncomfortable. Be silent. The pause. The intellect is like captive everywhere and it cannot regain its stability unless it submits to God and is stilled by him, joyfully uniting with him through unceasing and diligent prayer. St. Gregory, a philosopher, a theologian, 
in the fourth century understood. My pride, my ego, my individualism has put me in a bubble. And I think I can figure things out by myself. But because of that ideology and because of that mentality, I have sundered myself away from my heavenly father. And I have now become captive to my own intellect. I have lost conscious awareness and clarity of who God is to me. I have lost that intimacy because of my pride, because I know what I'm doing, because I distance myself away from him. I lost my conscious awareness. I lost clarity. I lost union with him. And now I'm captive just to, to, to 10 billion things on my mind going on in my, in my life. And I, I've become captive. I've become a slave to that. But I can unite with him again through unceasing and diligent prayer. One thing I will not be talking about for the next four remaining Sundays, I am not going to tell you you need to pray. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. This is, this is maybe over there in the third grade class, maybe. I'm not telling you you need to pray. I'm not going to tell you that. You're here because you have some type of curiosity, some curiosity of the divine. You have some curiosity of being consciously aware. You have some curiosity of that. If not, you would be sleeping in right now or going and having breakfast. But you're here because you have some interest on knowing who the divine is. So I'm not going to convince you that you need to pray. Because you already have some interest in that. If you didn't, you wouldn't be here. This series really hits home to me. Because one thing I've struggled with the most, I'll be honest, the thing I've struggled with the most ever since becoming a priest is this. It is so easy. It is so easy to, to keep myself busy with, well, I need to call this person. I need to go visit this person. I need to go this. I need to do the sermon prep. I need to... It is so easy to keep myself busy and to justify, say, oh, I'm a priest. I'm keeping myself busy. I'm doing God's work. It's so easy for me to, to keep myself busy with all that. Logically, I can say, okay, I'm doing God's work. But for me to pause and to be still and to pray, my mind will tell myself, I, I could be doing better things. I could be helping other people. You know, I haven't caught up with this person for a while. I should reach out to this person. I haven't seen this person for a while. It's so easy for me to say, you know what, you know, I, I can pray later. That's for me to do all this. Because then I can feel like, yeah, I'm doing God's work. It's so easy for me to fall into that trap. And I don't think I'm the only one. It's so easy for us to, to, to just be busy with life. But I love how St. Gregory used the word, instilled by him. One thing that we're talking about over the next few weeks is, is you know, okay, prayer reunites me. Prayer regenerates me. Prayer makes me consciously aware again. Gives me clarity of the divine. Okay. But what should I be praying for? Like, should I pray, like, God bless me with everything? God bless this mortgage board of food? Just like we watched in the video. Like, what should I pray? Should I pray for my sports team to win? Like, no, that's silly. Should I, what should I pray? Just like, God bless me with everything? Like, what do I say? This is what I want us to talk about over the next four weeks. But I said, I'm going off the assumption that we all have some type of interest or some curiosity of being consciously aware again, regaining our conscious awareness and uniting back with our Heavenly Father through prayer. I'm going to make that assumption for our group. If I'm planning to pursue prayer because I have some type of curiosity and I'm wanting to take a step in, 
intentional step toward that, we need to have a plan. We need to have a plan. Anything that you are able to be successful in in this world, you have a plan. You didn't just wake up and say, all of a sudden, I, I have a bachelor's, or all, I just woke up and suddenly I have a PhD. You, you had a plan to get to that point. So if we're wanting to gain conscious awareness back with our Heavenly Father and regain that intimate bond that we, we, we have recorded in the book of Genesis, if we're wanting to go back to that state, then the magic, the, 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 the thing that's needed is, is prayer. But I want us to have a plan so we can have an awareness and understanding of what prayer is instead of, I just pray about it. I come and pray enough on Sunday when in liturgy. We need to have a plan. But I want us to understand this about prayer. I want us to utilize, utilize prayer more as a tool than as a rule. I want us to utilize prayer more as a tool than a rule. Like, I get it, like, a lot of ancient Christian manuscripts would say prayer rule or prayer canon, which is all fine, which is great. And it's two different schools of thought, which is uh, which is all fine. But for our approach, I want us to look at it from a different angle. I want us to look at it as a tool. Because a rule can easily put us in a cage that we're, we're kind of trapped by a rule. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to pray. Then it's easy to kind of be confined by that. But if we look at it as a tool, as a supplement for me to regain conscious awareness, it opens us up. It liberates us completely. Instead of, I pray this, and bail, let us give thanks, our Father, watch and heaven. Then it, it, then it becomes, if we look at it as a rule, then that's when it, be, it, can, it can kind of own us. But I want us to now start looking at it as a tool as opposed to a rule. Just to give you an example. We have four records of Jesus' life. We have four records, official records, of Jesus' life, which we know as the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark, who was it, it was a missionary who ended up bringing the, the good news and bringing the fullness of life to the land of Egypt, establishing the Coptic Orthodox Church. This author, Mark, he got his record of Jesus' life by hanging out with Peter. And Peter was a first eyewitness of Jesus. Peter was a first eyewitness of Jesus, and he was close friends with Mark. Mark got a glimpse of Jesus in real life, but he, all, he wrote all the details of Jesus' life by being friends with Mark. And he got to him, Mark, Mark, do you mind? Let's grab some coffee. Tell me, like, what did Jesus do, like, with those five loaves and two fish? Tell me what happened. Like, did you really walk in the tomb? There was, like, nothing in there. And the same Mark is writing all these events and writing the records of Jesus' ministry. One thing that, that St. Mark recorded in his gospel was a time where Jesus was giving it to the people. And he was talking to them about the day of rest. Jesus was talking to the people about the Sabbath. And Jesus was telling the people, the Sabbath is not, it, 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 the, he said this, the Sabbath was made for man. He said the Sabbath was made for man. Like the day of rest is made for you, not man, for the Sabbath. Like he noticed that the people were using things as a rule, being dry and just being slave to rules. Oh, I can't pick up, you know, I, I can't help the person on the, that, that needs help because you know, it's a Sabbath. He said, it's, you, you got it all wrong. This is a tool. To, to guide you, to give you rest. Not, not for you to, to be enslaved by the, by the letter of the law. That's not, that's not the intent. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You ever thought about what the, the divine being, the Holy Trinity, created the universe and then needed a day of rest? You're talking about a divine being that's above time, space, and matter, needed a day of rest? 
He didn't even he did that in order to give us an example of how we need to rest and be still. Because he understands his creation. He understands his creation. That we move hundred miles per hour and we just keep ourselves busy. We keep ourselves busy. But he created rest into his divine plan and he implanted it and reminded of his creation, us, of the idea of rest. And he says, rest was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for man. Prayer, is, I'm not telling, don't look at it as a rule. I'm not, I'm telling no one to pray. I'm not telling anyone to pray. But I want you to look at it as, using it as a tool, as a supplement that takes, allows us to take a next step back toward being consciously aware of us taking a next step closer to having that intimate bond with our Heavenly Father. We need a plan. We need a plan. First and toward the plan. Authenticity. Our first step toward having a plan, if we're going to start having a game plan toward being consciously aware, a game plan toward uniting back with God through prayer, our first step is to be authentic. Be real. Be real. Last thing I want anyone to say, Lord, bless, bless my boss. You know, she's great. You know, may God continue to reward her. Come on, be real. I want you to be open. Like, don't just go through the motions. If you are, are mad, tell God you're mad. If you have a hard time understanding, if, if knowing he is there, tell him. Are you there? Talk to him. Get yourself outside of just formality. Get yourself outside of just formality. Be real. Some of us say, you know, God's will be done. And then we turn around and take full control of our life and kind of like swim upstream. When we say, your will be done, are we really saying that? How about in the framework of prayer that Jesus gave us? That we forgive those just as they forgive us. Let's be real. Do we really do that? Do we really forgive people just as God forgives us? There's a difference between I say it in order to bring it into reality. It's something that we all struggle with. But there's a difference between I, I say the template prayer that Jesus gave me in order to bring it into reality. And for me to say that I am, just as God continues to renew me and, re, and forgives me, I continue to, to forgive others. That there's a difference between me saying it to bring it to reality and instead of just, there's a difference. There's a difference. Of me praying it to bring it into reality instead of just looking at it as just a rule that I just got to do. Be real. We just finished a series on looking at the prophet and the king. Somebody who was real. Somebody who went through highs and lows. And he wrote tons of prayers in his journal. And last time I checked, not every prayer that he put down in a journal is, you're the best, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Bless me, bless me. He doesn't say that. Just to give you a glimpse of how real and raw and open he was. This is David. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? How long must I be captive to my thoughts? And day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? How long will I be enslaved to my thoughts and, 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 and just be drowning in the stress and anxiety that I have? How long will you, are you going to just leave me in this situation? See how raw and open and real. He's saying, 
Thy God are great, thou is... He's being open and real and raw to God. Parents, don't you want your kids to be real with you? Do you want them to walk in when they get back from school and they say, how are you, thy mother? You know, you know, when will thou make us dinner? You are the best, thy mother. You wouldn't want your, your, your kid to do that. You would want them to say, mom, I had a crappy day at school. I, you would want them to be real and transparent. So you as a parent desire that from your kid. How much more does our heavenly father desire that from us? In his template prayer, he said, don't call God divine being. He said, call me dad. Call me father. He desires us to be open and real. Our first plan toward conscious awareness is authenticity, to be real. The second step we need is consistency. We need consistency. Consistency in any way. I'm saying, if things are going great, say, God, I know you're working. And I see you work. Be consistent. Maybe the next day saying, where in the world are you? Be consistent in your plan and prayer leading toward being consciously aware. Listen to another prayer from David's journal. Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my sighing. Have you ever thought of prayer being a sigh? Sometimes we think of prayer, we think of this. We think of this. We think of this. But David's saying, what, just consider my sign. <sighs> David's saying, that's a prayer. That, that communicates something. That communicates something. My wife is out of town right now. She comes back Monday night, and I pick her up. And I know the first thing she's going to do, throw the baby like this to me. And she's going to say, she's going to ask me, can you help? And, I, and if I say I'm busy, she's going to go, that communicates something. She's definitely telling me something. Zion communicates something. And David's saying, what, I, I'm, I, I have, sometimes I can't even articulate myself. And I just sign. Right now the church is in a season of Lent, leading toward resurrection. And we have certain prayers and specific hymns during this season. One of the prayers are the doxologies, which are praises that we pray during Vespers and Matin service in our ancient faith. And one of the phrases that we say, which is everything is based, is coming from ancient Christianity, coming from Scripture. We say, O oh Lord, hear my sighs. We say it in a person, Lord, hear my sighs. We have it in liturgical worship, along with other, other methods and modes of, of prayer. David used it in his journal as he talked to God. But to consider, for me to be consistent in my prayer, if that looks verbal, if that looks verbal, that looks physically, if that looks in silence, if that looks like journaling, if that looks like me sighing, whatever how it would look. But the thing that needs is me to take a step and being consistent and uniting with him, being regaining conscious awareness for me to, to regain my union with him. He David continues, listen to my words, consider my sighing, hear my help, hear my cry for help, my king and my God. For to you I pray, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. I love that. He's saying, Lord, I'm waiting. I'm waiting expectantly. I'm, I'm, I'm an impatient man, but I know you're above time. But I know you're working. But I'm waiting expectantly because I know that you are my healer. I know you are the fullness of life. 
I know you are my heavenly Father. The third step toward conscious awareness, for me to regain conscious awareness in prayer, is intentionality. Intentionality. Be intentional. Be strategic. Nobody here is going to finish the eight and get in their car and say, you know, I think I'm going to take a few laps around 285 today. You're not going to do that. You have a plan once you get in your car. You have a plan in everything you do. So why don't we have a plan if we are wanting to reconnect with our Heavenly Father? We need to be strategic. All of us move in the direction that we look. All of us move in the direction that we look. Like if I'm driving and I look at, like, whatever, the billboard on the side, and I can't stare at it for 40 seconds, what's naturally going to happen? I'm naturally going to start going that direction. I'm naturally going to move in the direction that I am looking. Where are we looking? Are we looking here at the stuff of this temporal world, or are my eyes up here? Where are my eyes looking? If I'm wanting to pursue it here, if I'm wanting to gain, regain conscious awareness, if I'm wanting to regain that, that stillness that St. Gregory said, where am I looking? Where am I looking? I need to be intentional in my prayer and in my pursuit. Instead of just saying, yeah, 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 let me, you know, read this every now and then so I can feel good. Let me just throw myself in the church every now and then so I can feel good. I need to be intentional of my pursuit of it. I want to share, just to show, examples of early Christian prayers. Just to give you examples of early Christian prayers. You tell me if they're just saying, Lord, bless me, or God bless you. You let me know if they say this. Let me show you a, a, a manuscript, a letter, that St. Peter, one of the early disciples, wrote to Asia Minor, to early Christians. As they're being persecuted, this is what St. Peter tells them. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, and strengthen, and settle you. Uh, he's trying to encourage and inspire these early Christians in Asia Minor. He didn't say, you know, may God be with you. He's saying, may God continue to strengthen you. May God continue to work within you. After you have suffered, well, I know you're being persecuted. May you be perfect, established, and strengthened. May he continue to be perfect in you. May he continue to be established in you. May he continue to strengthen you. May he continue to be settled within you as you're going through these hardships. If our Heavenly Father is personal, if our Heavenly Father desires a personal relationship, then our prayers should be personal. Then put the word prayer there. If He desires a personal union with you, then I should talk to Him in a personal way. And be real. I need to be consistent. I need to be real. I need to be authentic. I need to be intentional on what I say to you. Let me give you another example of a prayer. Just for us to utilize some of these prayers. Instead of us just saying, Lord, help me with this exam. Lord, help me find the whatever. Help me get another job. Put more, be articulate. Lord, be detailed. If he's our Heavenly Father, he desires a personal communication union with us. Let me share one example. From a prayer that predates the Bible. From a prayer that predates the Bible. And you tell me that the early Christians just say, yeah, bless me. Yeah, I want everything to be good. You tell me. 
This should sound familiar. Purify us, our master, from our sins. The sins that I commit that are hidden, and the sins that are manifest. And every thought which is not pleasing to your goodness. O God, the lover of mankind, may this be far from us. Purify our souls, our bodies, our spirits, our hearts, our eyes, our understanding, our thoughts, and our consciousness. Purify us from all of this, so that with a pure heart, an enlightened soul, an unashamed face, a faith unfeigned, a perfect love, a firm hope, we may dare with boldness. Not out of fear, not just because I need to do it. Let's pray with boldness. To pray to you, O God, the Holy Father, who is in heaven. Let us say, Our Father. This ancient prayer that we have in our liturgical worship, are we just saying, Lord, help me in life? Lord, help me with this, my bad issue? I mean, there's nothing left out. As we move to have clarity, as we move toward taking steps to, to regaining conscious awareness, let us look at prayer through a new light. As a tool, not as a rule. For me to regain that intimate bond that I was designed to have with my Heavenly Father. Let us stand up for prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God in Lord, all of us are at different stages of life. For some of us, things are going well. For some of us, things are not going well. But there's something embedded in every single human being. There is a curiosity for prayer. Regardless of our worldview, there's something that we know, that there's some impact that prayer has. Because, Lord, you gave us this tool for us to regain our intimate union with you. Lord, help us to look at prayer as, as a liberating tool to set us free, something for us to put us in stillness, something for us to regain our clarity of seeing you in a more personal and intimate way. Regardless of where we are, help us to utilize this gift for us to regain our relationship with you through the prayers of King David the prophet and all your saints. Here's as we pray together, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but the rest from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory.